not collect two hundred dollars. Do not collect Gondor. Did they ever make a Lord of the Rings Monopoly? Uh, yes, I think I have one. As a matter of fact, I should bring it in sometime. Um, if, dear listeners, welcome to Semi-Bookish. If you don't have a clue already, we are going to be talking about Lord of the Rings today. And J.R.R. Tolkien, um, what does the yes. R.R. stand for? I did look it up today, but... Ronald Rule. Ronald Rule. This, Ronald is so basic, but then you get to... It sounds very... <laughs> Ronald is base. Is it? I mean, he's just a. I think about like a Brit, you know. <laughs> I think about a clown. Anyways, let's quickly go rule around. Rule the clown. <laughs> That's the it clown, right? <laughs> it is I, Andy, your wonderful daddy of the dungeon. Yes. And oh, to my right we have Lord Ish. That is Grant. You've met him before. <laughs> you love him. He's a dreamboat. Across from me is Tony. Mm-hmm. What's your nickname? I'm not saying it. The mouth from the south. I don't like this nickname. Tony is never at a loss for words. Never. Do you want a new one? We'll come up with a new one later. <laughs> okay. And to my left, we have... I am the supreme overlord of everyone and everything. I am Aaron. Hello. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And what are you playing, reading, slash... Me? Uh, book-wise, I'm current. I just got it, so I haven't actually started it yet. But um, I'm kind of on a nostalgia binge, and so I have the comic book series for Gem and the Holograms. Oh and then yeah, I'm also yeah, gonna, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna start. Uh, yeah, that. I'm, I'm gonna start uh, watching the cartoon as well, cause you know, '80s cartoons are my jam. And then I'm right. It is an '80s thing. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. And then on. I'm currently uh, replaying through Skyrim because um, my friends and I are going to be playing through it when I get to Portland in October. Um, we're also uh, for Tony's amusement because they have talked about it before. Apparently, also we are setting aside time specifically because Gotham Knights is coming out while I'm there. So we are pausing everything to play Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights is a month away. <laughs> Yeah, I got told in the group chat, like, I... there's Gotham Knights, we have to play it. And I was like, okay, as long as you let me play Saints Row on your thing. I, have just, I don't care. I have just ascended. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Uh, Tony, what Tony, Tony, what are you doing? Uh, um, 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 hold on. I'm dun, 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 dun. looking up the Gotham Knights release date, just to be sure. Wait, you know, there's time outside of the podcast. Oh, okay, all right, no, I just needed to reconfirm, because for a while it was November, but it they jumped the itch. Oh. <laughs> Week in the knees. God bless television. October 21st. I know, but that's because the TV show is coming out soon, and they are not going to make it. Anyway, thank you, CW. You're Uh, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what am I doing? I am listening to the audiobook uh, for Eye of the World, which is the first Wheel of Time book, because I just rewatched the show, and it is, it's so much, it's so good. I liked it the first time a lot. Second time, it's even better. It's so juicy. So I am enjoying mm-hmm. um, listening to the book again. And the thing about that I remember about enjoying this book is once you're in it, it you're in. Like you're, I, I'm in love all over again, like I was when I was nineteen the last time I read it. So you know. That's fun. Um, what am I playing right now? Oh, oh gosh, I'm 
slightly annoyed with what I'm playing. I'm playing Marvel's Avengers. Oh, yeah, you told me about this the other day. Uh, okay, so the campaign actually is not bad. Initially, I thought it was going to be cheesy, but actually it's not bad. So you're, you know, going through and you're assembling the Avengers, but you're Miss Marvel. Okay. So, like, you're Miss Marvel, brand new to superpowers, and the government is hunting you down because... Um, that's what they do. Of some foul stuff that happened on Avengers Day, like, five years ago, and Captain America was killed. Um, but Oof. you, as Miss Marvel, have footage to prove that the person responsible for the death of Captain America has been bankrolling the government trying to hunt you down. So, you know, you have to go find the other Avengers and... Prove your innocence. Put them all together and do the whole yeah. thing. Right, yes. And the first one you find is Hulk, so I'm, you know, running around fighting with Hulk right now, which is actually really fun. Um, so it's fun. The problem that I have with the game is that it is massively oversized, and I think because they wanted to merge two different kinds of engines into one game, and I don't know why they did it. Like, it's a cool concept, but it's annoying. It's like, what, like a 900 gigabyte game So they're taking, like, yeah, it's like, it's bonkers it's a huge game like 95 gigabytes and they're taking the whole like action adventure thing mm -hmm. and merging that engine with like the um uh, battle royale kind of thing so there's like a whole like series of battle royale things that you have to be certain like levels to do um and you can play any character and you can pick your team and you can go whatever whatever and then there's the other stuff, which is like action adventure, you know, you're on a quest to go find items. The fetch quest. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So it's like both games fetch in one big giant Avengers. game, which I'm sure they thought sounded cool. But I want the space on my Xbox back. Okay, like that's all I'm saying. Like I'm just like when you have to get an external hard drive just to play a game, it's problematic. Especially when it's this game. I mean, have you seen the graphics on this game? Like, they're pretty laughable. They're they're not great, and it's like really we're in twenty twenty two. We're a whole you know, how many phases into the MCU? Come on. Well, I Get mean, it and if we're being honest with the re reception that game has not really gotten, I mean, I, right? Um, yes. And the fact <laughs> that they're charging, I think uh, it's on PSN. Like, because I'm tempted on getting it. Why? Because it's two dollars on the PSN store. It's worth for two dollars. Honestly, fair, it, for two, it is worth it because I got it for like 25 Okay, and but is it $2 on Steam? But I was not going to pay full yeah. game price for that game, despite how big it is, because it's not worth that much. Like, Skyrim is worth that much. Yeah, no, That's it's still $40 <laughs> yeah. on Steam, not worth it. I'm, I'm going to get Spider-Man instead. I will right. steal this from Tony. So I am reading right now. Actually, I have not started it yet. Sorry, your aunt. I am okay. <laughs> exactly in between two books. Like the other day, I finished. Um, I have to look up her her name, the author's name, uh, Amanda Montel's Cultish: The Language of Fanaticism. <gasps> yes, which, I love that one. It's not nearly as infuriating as I thought it was going to be. It no. just it talks about the approach, um, language, the, the the impact that language has specifically. Mm -hmm. Whether it be in pulling people into a, like a, the classic Jim Jones, the J Jonestown cult, um, or fitness on Instagram, like it, or as a mindset, they 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 like in CrossFit or like all those stupid like An like Amway. Instagram stories yeah. that you see with all these like not all those who wander are lost. 
Boo, oh, they bacon. they talk about they talk about that too, and link it to religion. Like it's um, it's a wonderful. It's a quick book. It's not too. Really? It's not too uh, too lengthy. It fast paced. The audiobook was wonderful narration. Yeah. So, um, I think I would have enjoyed reading it as well. Um, I recommend it. Cultish, the language of fanaticism. Um, I'm still thinking about it like a a day later. Like wow, because yeah. I, I wasn't as angry. Like I have a degree of sympathy why people get roped into quote unquote cults. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm about to start reading. I might start it tonight. Um, it's been a few years. Um, Dream Country, The Sandman, Volume 3 by Neil Gaiman. Mm. Um, thank you, Netflix show, for making me like want to go through it all over again. Um, and Which is an excellent show. Excellent show. Even yeah. if it never deviates from the formula too much. Like There are a few things that are different, but nothing that big. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I don't care. I'm eating it right up. But mm-hmm. I'm a little light on like what I'm playing, reading, and so on. So it means listening to because I'm not listening to anything right now. Mm. Lord is okay. I'll, I'll I'll talk for a little while. <laughs> um, Timer I, set. You get three minutes. <laughs> okay, I'll start with what I'm playing. Here's um, your two animal crackers for the fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. animal crackers. You can have an I'll, animal cracker. No, it's too late. It's too late. So uh, what are you I. Playing? I caved. Um, a lot of people I know really enjoy Elden Ring, and so I. I, I <gasps> and, uh, have, have you played Elden Ring? I oh, yes. Elden Ring. Oh, okay, okay. I, I have it. not dared okay. try it. So yet. it seemed, from what I read about it, like to be a more approachable Dark Souls esque game. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you're a Dark Souls person. Have you? I love the aesthetic and everything, and I, I, I got farther in the first Dark Souls than I thought I would, but <laughs> I've never beaten one. Right, yeah. Um But so far, Elden Ring's really, really fun. Is that? Oh, good. Um, it it's, feels much more open than the other Souls-esque game. What's, what's the term, Aaron? It's Souls-like. Souls-like. Souls-like game. I'm waiting for Bloodborne to come to PC. Hmm. Oh, Bloodborne, I forgot that. I want Bloodborne yeah. to PC. Okay, so Whoever the developers are, please bring it to me. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, but the, the world's beautiful. Just yeah. kind of exploring it, and uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, the tutorial monster. <laughs> I've ran into yes, I've ran into a few things that I'm like, okay, I'll come back to that later. But um, nice. it's I really like it. Um, and I just finished reading Amygdala Tropolis by B. R. Yeager. Um, it's a very short, <laughs> very short but very impactful book. Okay. I need um, everyone to know that Tony's face made the whole entire thing what? better. <laughs> what is it about? So, um, well, you kind of you kind of know what you're getting in for because I read a uh, I read an interview with the author of um, course, right, previous, yeah. you know, prior to reading it, um, and he the, the cover is kind of surreal and mm-hmm. it turns out it's a picture of a uh, like ringworms coming out of some intestines. It's hard to tell, like close up. But anyways, that's that's kind of the primer for the vibe that we're going. Like yeah. So we're following. Oh a, God! Are you kidding? I just looked at the cover. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm traumatized. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we follow a nameless, anonymous protagonist. Um, God. It kind of what? <laughs> <laughs> it it kind of shifts between these online logs. Oh. Um. On, like. An anonymous uh, forum site, not on like 4chan or something. Interesting. And it just, oh geez, um, it just kind of explores the depths of okay. <laughs> how bad things can get. So are we exploring um, the dark web in this? We are, yeah, yes. more or less. That's um, kind of cool. 
We love that. Definitely not for the faint of heart, but it, oh yeah, and I was saying it's just between that and like some kind of more omnipotent narration. Okay. Yeah. Kind of drifts into almost like quasi poetry sometimes. Not maybe that's the wrong term, but you mm. just, just kind of have to. It's it's unique. You have to. Yeah, it's it, sort of like a. It. It's an experimental novel. Yeah, for okay. sure. But yeah. it's, it's, it was good. Cool. Recommend nice. it. All right. Very cool. I do need it. Very cool. it, it looks very good. Elden Ring. Yep. It looks beautiful, but. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I just. Um, I've I likened it more in my mind. What I've seen is more Skyrim esque mm-hmm. than. The souls like no, it's definitely souls like. Okay, <laughs> it's definitely souls like. It, it is more open, like I said though. Like if yeah, it like, is yeah. more open. It's just and right. visually, and I think it's just lighter. I haven't. It yes, it is, and I haven't had as much trouble <coughs> with this as I as I've had with the other ones. Oh, uh, good. Yeah. So that me that personally helps either. because I don't like hard games. Yeah. Um, if you buy a PC <laughs> though, it does lag quite a okay. bit. But that's just because there's some weird engines. Mm-hmm. They didn't cap it when. So in the PC version, they forgot to make a cap for the like um, frame rates, and so occasionally your graphics card, the newer ones, just kind of hate you and decide to randomly um. lag in the middle of what you're doing, and so you're like, "You can't do this to me! I'm busy fighting something!" And then you die. Sure. But it doesn't do that in like the console versions. So you know, you wouldn't tell me this one. What's coming out? Is it 48 days now? 38. 38 days? 38, no, 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 no. 39 like hours? hours. Yeah. Because his oh, whoops, birth- yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry, sorry. His birthday's on Wrong Friday. Day. <laughs> Wrong time. Um, 28 hours, 38 minutes, and about 25 yeah, seconds. Yeah, te- technically, they're doing it tomorrow. Because they're like, why have something on Friday that you can have on, on Thursday? Right. Because that's and what the countdown the, says on Amazon right now. And unlike those stingy Westerosi people over there on HBO Max, Ring, Rings of Power on Amazon Prime is giving us two episodes to start <laughs> out with. So, you know, you pick your property. You pick where you want to live. Middle Earth or Westeros. I don't know. You know, just... So, what is the full title? It's Rings of Power, or is it Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power? It's just Rings of Power. Just Rings of Power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is it about? I really, on that note, I've really stepped away. I think I've told you this before. I'm not watching much. Yeah. Like, I see little clips oh, right. here and there. Because uh, I want to take it all in. So, Rings of Power is basically follows the Second Age from the perspective of Galadriel. Mm-hmm. Who, I want to say she was a lot... I think she was alive the entirety of the Second Age. I actually don't know. I just know that it's essentially Galadriel discovers that Sauron's been up to some business with these Rings of Power um, because he gets up to them like the whole Rings of Power business in the Second Age he's been up to that. He has like 16 Rings of Power in secret for hundreds of years. So this is before they've been spread among the Yeah, this is before he like uses them to seduce, like the ring rates aren't even a a thing yet. Like he hasn't seduced anyone with them yet. He hasn't like tried. So like I guess we're starting at the place at which he's starting to try and Galadriel sniffs it out and is like (laughs) Excuse me. Right, because Galadriel is one of the few who like doesn't. Like the huge chunk of the elves is just, are just like Hey, we like this ring guy. He's kind of cool because they're the ones who taught him to make them in the first place. So you know, we get to see that whole thing. For the babies like me at home who don't really know too much, mm-hmm. is this a prequel or a sequel? 
Like, it's a prequel. Is it, like, so is this Lord before... Rings, so, the Lord of the Rings Which? takes place in the Third Age. Okay. And Rings of Power takes place in the Second Age. What about The Hobbit? The Hobbit is Third, third Age. age. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. this is all before... Our main. All before our like main. two or three, yeah. four thousand years. Yeah. So okay. second. So the great thing about this, so the second age is something that like is found in a bunch of Tolkien's notes, sort of mm-hmm. scattered all over the place. Um, but a I forget which publisher is doing it is producing a book that's coming out in November where they basically compile all of the stuff that he wrote about the second age into one book so that you can just go to the one book and find it and it's notes and stories and timeline pieces yeah the fall of Numenor yeah yeah so it's just Uh, you know all that does the Silmarillion in in case like does that cover the second age there's a huge chunk of the second age written about in the back of the Silmarillion there's a whole part of it yeah there's a part called the rise of Numenor and then there's part two called the fall of Numenor (laughs) the answer to your publisher question is hard for Collins of course, it's Kind of interesting yeah. little thing where I was thinking when you were asking a question. Um, in terms of the race spectrum within, Gandalf and Sauron are of the same Maiar. Isn't it a Maiar <coughs> race? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Sauron is technically probably, if we're going to look at it that way, he's a cut above in that within that race. A little bit, yeah. Um, but like, I, I, there's so much expansive knowledge. Like, I had some questions like, about the knowledge like how does it I want to see someone bring it all together into because I know we got the Cimmerillion technically Christopher Tolkien Tolkien's second son I think Mm -hmm. did that with there's a whole series of there's 12 books called um, oh my gosh The Law of Histories of Middle Earth I think is what it's called um where he basically takes all of his dad's like leftover notes because they're all posthumously published. Yeah, the Silmarillion was also posthumously published, so that was published as the Silmarillion. Whereas the rest of this was notes, outlines, ideas, thoughts, stories that were unfinished, and he just compiled them all together and edited them and worked with a few people who you know knew who were big the fans. History of Middle Earth. Which yeah. one? History of Middle Earth. Yeah, History of Middle Earth. Yeah, there's like twelve of them. And so he just sort of published them, you know, after Tolkien had died, I think the decade afterward. And so they're out there. It's just, it's the kind of thing that if you're an uber nerd, you want to make sense of in your own way. And what they really are, having looked at enough of it, it's just Tolkien trying to figure out how to tell Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So, you know, he it was never his master plan to be like, I'm gonna build every single age and tell a story within every single. It's like, no. What, what's fascinating <laughs> though is, well, it, and this is, for me, part of the allure mm-hmm. to Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit as well. Yeah. And approach to Tolkien is that I'm imagining him maniacally. He's at the pub one day, has an idea, write that out on a napkin. He's just like <laughs> I can imagine. Like it's almost like that little meme, the Charlie Day meme, where he's explaining it, mm-hmm. and he's got the cigarette in his hand, and he's yeah. arms waving frantically, <laughs> yeah. and Tolkien trying to explain, like. So the author of Howl's Moving Castle, Diana Wynne Jones, yeah, went okay. to Oxford. She took his lectures, mm-hmm. and she said, he always talked super close to the blackboard, like as if the blackboard was touching his nose and he never raised his voice very highly and you could barely understand anything he was saying and he always seemed as if her and Philip Pullman both said this they said he always spoke to people as if he 
wished he was somewhere writing the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so like I got somewhere better to be. Like, yeah, so he was just sort of a man obsessed for. But I can, years I can, I, I can, like, I can really. There's a lot of stuff that I want to create. Like I haven't sat down to actually write anything concrete up, but like mm-hmm. I have all these little in my little word journals and little journals, like notes all over the place. Yeah. Like I mean, you see my desk upstairs, like it's <laughs> covered in notes. Yeah. And that's, like, I, I'm passionate about work, but like there are nerdy things that I'm pa- so I really when I come to like thinking about uh, Tolkien and his writing like mm-hmm. because it's a gold standard amongst fantasy literature it's so interesting it is and I think I knew this was going to come up I was prepared what's interesting about Tolkien to me in terms of being a standard bearer yeah is how close he came to not being a standard bearer despite always being brilliant, right? I mean, he was always the Oxford Scholar guy. He was always the guy obsessed with medievalist literature. He was always obsessed with languages, which is why he was obsessed with medievalist literature. Like, he had the whole stable of things that he needed to do what he ended up doing with Lord of the Rings. But I think what often happens, and it's just what happens over time, is that someone does something because they're an obsessive nerd who gets picked on by other, you know, Oxford professors. Imagine this. Imagine going to work every day and everyone you work with thinks you're just the biggest dork in the world. But imagine that the place where you're going to work is one of the best known universities in the entire world. Filled with the biggest nerds. Yes. <laughs> so and so you're they're, the they're nerd like you're the nerd of the nerds. Like, Would you like to infiltrate, go back in time, invent time travel, go back in time, talk to these people that are harassing him, say, look, who are you? He's going to be something. Well, but even the, but even when the books were like once the books were published, yeah, their critical response to it was, oh, good job. Like they didn't really like care. They were just kind of like, all right. So he he wasn't crazy. He was actually writing a book. All right. And they didn't. Most of them didn't read it. They just didn't care. You know that he was this literary sensation. And it's like, you really see what? I, I mean, that's what happens a lot with like great. In, like influential works but it's just hard to like think about it like with how deep that world is and how mm-hmm. I mean you know how new it seemed I imagine it was just everything coming together yeah and then they just kind of shrugged it off well and I think too part of it is because part of what makes it work is the fact that a lot of so a lot of his students talked about how whether for good or for ill stop the, the ones who became fantasy writers tend to love this, and the ones who didn't tend to hate it. <laughs> um, he refused to teach anything literary beyond, like, the 12th century or something like that. Like, he absolutely refused. Like, you are not bringing that in my classroom. So they never got Jane Austen. They never got Dickens. They never, they, they never not in a Tolkien class, like, at all. He was like, that is not literature. It is not good. It is not quality. I will not teach it uh, because gonna... it's not doing the things it should be doing. Wait, I was just you know, he sounds like one of like those... he like way back, like twelfth or thirteenth century. Yeah, like he I'll... would not teach beyond that. Go ahead, Aaron. Sorry. He sounds like one of those teachers that you see in like now in school who are like, you bring in your graphic novel and then you <laughs> sit there and and you just see them immediately look at you and go. They go, no, absolutely not. That's not real <laughs> literature. You yeah. can't have that. Yes. He sounds exactly like that. And it's just like, 
he's just one of those professors that you had today who you sit there and you're like, yeah, but I want to read this book. And they're like, no, you can't read that. You have to read To Kill a Mockingbird because that's a classic. And you're like, but this is cool. I want to read that instead. And it does the same thing. And it's, I mean, obviously, I it's a, it's a deeply problematic, like, from a literary perspective. It's like, okay, bro, really? <laughs> um, but at the same time, because that was a rule that he imposed on his students and therefore himself, he was able to really like tunnel down deep into this thing for 12 years and he was surrounded with nothing but the language of the times, of these times that he's pulling from, the poetry from those times. I mean, all of that stuff is why The Lord of the Rings sounds the way that it sounds. It's because that's all he read. Like that was, it was, and obsessively, like he would go over the same poetry over and over and over again, retranslating it. Re- I mean, just. I think the real question know. is, is <clears throat> so he was like that while he was writing Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Did that change after he was done with Lord of the Rings? You know what? I don't know. That is the big question that that's the elephant that is in the room. But you know, by contrast, Lewis was the exact opposite. Lewis, like C.S. Lewis, uh, was obsessed with Bleak House. He read, I mean, he 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 read books that he hated, mm-hmm. just because he was like, well, I mean, I need to know. He, he was just much more open about these kinds of things than than Tolkien was. So, I, but I think, in terms of him being a standard bearer, it's interesting because there was fantasy before him. Mm-hmm. You know, like especially in like the early. Late eight, late nineteenth century, early twentieth century, it was there. The problem is, is that the entire literary world did a cold turn at the turn of the twentieth century, to where like Virginia Woolf and James Joyce thought Dickens was laughable. They were like, "What is going on? This man with like wild characters with ridiculous names that give you con- like easily um, thought out plot structures." Like, he's not a genius. He's just telling you how the story's gonna go before you even get there. <laughs> Which is nonsense, right? Like, none of us right. thinks of Dickens that way. But the, the turn of the century, you know, early 20th century writers were all about a whole shift in style. Well, early... I mean, de- deviating a little bit from Tolkien for like three seconds, but like, wasn't Dickens what lauded as creating first children's, like, the, probably the father of modern, or the father of children's fiction? He like I, I think Marlon James said that he he feels very strongly that Dickens invented childhood in yeah. literature just because you didn't have kids nobody wrote about kids yeah. in in like novels I mean it, if they did something bad happened to them because they were a kid <laughs> you know what I mean um, I'm gonna throw this in the weirdest turn because you know I had to look up when they were released because you were like the turn of the the turn of the century yeah yeah. You know what's really hilarious is, you know, they all were turning away from the fanatical, like, the fantasy aspect of things. Meanwhile, you had all of the art people, like, immediately, like, turning their back on, like, the main literary structure of things. And they Mm -hmm. went complete avant-garde with things. And they were like, LOL, this toilet is a piece of art that I just randomly yanked off the wall. (laughs) And then we have, that's an actual piece, by the way. And then we have Pollock, who's like, LOL, I don't want to do that. 
<laughs> what I want to do is get really into Freudian psychology, stand on a ladder, and point, pour car paint on a giant canvas, and that's it. That's the piece. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything else to tell you about it. And yeah. so they, there's like a complete, like, utter divide, and it's hilarious to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So, you know, I think, and Tolkien had read, and even cites in some of his essays, certain writers who really, like William Morris was a big one. Yeah. Bigger for C.S. Lewis than for um, Tolkien. Uh, but the, uh, the big one for Tolkien was E.R. Edison. Um, who was basically did Lord of the Rings before Tolkien did Lord of the Rings. He just wasn't as thorough <laughs> and obsessive. But also, I don't know, I honestly think the thing that makes the Lord of the Rings a standard is the fact that, like everything else in fiction at the time that it was published, he wrote a post-war novel. Yeah. He just happened to write the best one. I mean, that's better than Catch-22, better than Norman Mailer. But, I mean, like, there were some heavy hitters writing some, you know, pretty notable post-war fiction. Everyone read Lord of the Rings, and people who really enjoyed reading read Norman Mailer. Like, it's a, it a whole just different vibe. And so you get, I like the idea of him being a standard bearer, but the mm-hmm. thing that I get irritated by is when people are, like, there's this whole thing of like he carved fantasy fiction out of the stones of Oxford and it's like first of all no (laughs) and second of all he had help there were tons of people after Lord of the Rings that was published who were in publishing going this stuff sells imprint and so like six imprints within five years of Lord of the Rings being published I mean there is you know there is some like discussion out there like because he is a standard bearer yeah. For, you know, and he will be right. for how many years to come. Um, but I, I have read recently, because I was kind of doing a little bit of work for this, um, the more clearly uh, designated the father of modern literary fantasy. Mm. Or mm-hmm. fantasy I mean, I feel literature. like that's more true than... Um, and that could be a little bit more mm-hmm. accurate, too. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, there were things. Like, I mean, we've talked about Gil- Gilgamesh. I mean, if you're going to go back... Right. There's that um, Greek mythology. Yeah. Could, you know, it's, it's fantasy. Yeah. Like any mythology. Yeah. But I think um, this thing, yeah. And I think for him, too, it's like, it's not, I think what a lot of people don't really understand, it's not just the books themselves, even though obviously it's the books themselves. It's the fact that he knew what he was doing. Like, he was writing behind his own back almost. Like, he's trying to solve the problem of how to, you know, why are there so many poems in the book? Because that's what he was reading. And he was just like, how do I do this and not really irritate my readers? Or furthermore, he was really more thinking, how do I get the spirit of the poems without having to write poems? Because he thought he was a bad poet. Random <laughs> little inflammatory thing that I saw online. This is way back when. Um, it was on Twitter, I believe. And Okay, if you, were, if you were to cut out any chapter from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, what would it be, and why is it Tom Bobadil's chapter? Actually, <laughs> that's funny. It, it's funny that yes, but actually, I like it though. I do. I yes. do have a chapter that I tell people to skip when they're starting Lord of the Rings, and it's the first one. Wait, wait. Why? Called concerning hobbits. Oh, why? yeah. Because it's boring. It it is literally. First of all, it's like twenty five pages, and it's nothing but info dumping. 
but done in a hobbit bar. So it's a bunch of hobbits telling you all about Hobbiton, getting drunk for 25 pages. So this is your, like, trailer <laughs> to the TV show when they, like, walk in and then you hear all the gossip as you're walking around type deal? Yeah, it's, oh, it's so bad. And it, it's bad because it's just, like, if you skip it and you just start with Bilbo starting a party, it works. You're yeah. good. You're good yeah. to go. You can... <laughs> I think the audiobooks typically skip on Concerning Hobbits, at least probably. the one I listen to. That's interesting. Probably, even though it's called Chapter One. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so dull. I do need to read the second one soon. Like, I... I've read the books a number of times. We over have the years. them. They're but upstairs. Like, I think it was a year ago when you and I were going to do this fantasy thing on this. <laughs> and I, I did jump on the Lord of the Rings book. Oh, yeah? Because I've never listened to the audio. And mm. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing narration, but it was good. Was it the Andy Circus one? No, because, dear Lord, I want them. I want that one. Oh. Actually, I, I will have that. Yeah. That's my birthday gift myself. <laughs> Actually, I think I need to add that to my Amazon wish list now. Mm-hmm. Um, but because he would do a, a stellar job, because what little I've heard, mm-hmm. he's just, he's got a good voice. Yeah. He needs to do more. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. I do like a little Tom Bombadillo. See, now I'm looking up this ER Edison. I mean, Tom Bombadillo's hilarious. So the thing about, the, about that chat, because I read Fellowship last year for the first time all the way through. Yeah. Um, so yes, people, I've read a lot about Lord of the Rings, including many, many essays and letters by J.R.R. Tolkien himself, have not finished the trilogy. It's Fight fine. you. It's fine. Peter Jackson did a great job. Uh, no, but I, so I read Fellowship for the first time all the right. way through, and I'm actually glad that I was, you know, a 33-year-old person who's been writing for a few decades before doing it, because I could really understand all of the stuff that went into what he was doing, the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the whatever, I think the Tom Bombadil chapter is its strongest. Um, because okay, it's the moment in which you really begin to understand the threat that these characters are under. Even though nothing happens in that chapter. Except they're eating dinner because Tom is feeding them and whatever, whatever. And by the end of the chapter, they're being chased by the writers and Tom is like, go, I've got this. But that gives you a sense of the the weight of everything that's happening. Because, yeah, they've been chased by these black writers on their own on the road. They don't know what's going on. But when they get in front of Tom Bombadil and him and his wife, who are these, his wife is an elf, you know? She's just this gleeful, like, la, 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 la. And then they're, all the hobbits are just kind of like, but, 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 and suddenly Tom gets really serious and is like, but for real though, get that ring up out of my forest. This is not going to end well. Like he's just, yeah. and they, that's when the writers show up and they go, it's a, it's a moment at which you understand that Tolkien's really good. The more serious a character is when you meet them, the less likely they are to be good. Boromir. <laughs> But the more like lighthearted, goofy, fun—I mean, Gandalf, you know. I mean, that's a, a huge juxtaposition for fireworks at the beginning. Yeah, addled old man. I mean, he has all this little thing. Like mm-hmm. from a Dragonlance perspective, there's this Fizban character who's like a who is the literal god of the good pantheon. Yeah, represented by this like doddering old man who, what's that spell again? I forgot it. Always losing his hat. 
And then, so when I'm watching Lord of the Rings, because I watched the movies before ever picking up the books. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm seeing this, and then really, when you get to the cause, when they're in Moria, oh. like some of this, particularly, that's oh. when I feel like we get some <laughs> of the best, and that, that film specifically, some of the best Gandalf. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah. This, the serious side of Gandalf. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, like, this whole, he, the Balrog, he's going up against, like, this thing, this thing's like the straight up minion of Satan. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest letdowns, having read Fellowship and then I watched it afterwards, one of the biggest letdowns of that film is Galadriel. Because as stellar as, I mean, it's Kate Blanchett. Yeah. You, I mean, they could never have cast that Queen. For what the movie's trying to do, perfect. Yeah. But when you get to that scene in the Lothlorien chapter is actually my favorite because so much happens in that chapter. So many character shifting things happen in that. It's there that Eric, um, that Legolas and Gimli become friends, because like lifelong friends, because they're trying to get into Lothlorien. Gandalf has just died. They're on the run from some orcs. No one knows who's in charge, and Aragorn basically is just like, go. They get there. The Lothlorien elves are like, Y'all can stand there on the borders and look cute, but as long as that dwarf is with you, you're not coming in here. And yes, we will watch the orcs literally eat you, and then we'll kill them after they've done it. And Legolas, like, puts his bow in the face of the top guard and is like, you're letting us in here, because that dwarf's with us. And Gimli's, like, immediate, like, after once they're in, Gimli's immediate response is like, you didn't have to do that for me. I'm really, really grateful we're going to be best friends forever now. Yeah. Like, you know, stepdad to my kids. Like, it's a whole... It's, <laughs> it, but it's moving. Like, it's... Like, like I was choked up. I was like, oh yeah. I forget about that scene. That's a that huge... Was... And that's the beginning of the chapter. <laughs> There's so much left. And Galadriel, again, she's that... She's mirroring Tom Bombadil. She's light and airy and gorgeous and... Which makes that, that shift when she's... That test... Yeah. To, to Frodo... When she, I'm like, oof. And that still is such a beautiful scene. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. But in the book, Have you seen the film? Boss. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Many, many, um, and we will talk about the films later a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, dear listeners, because we also have a TV show to at least watch the first couple episodes of. When we come back, hopefully, you know, there will be at least two of us, I'm sure. <sighs> Challenge. Watch. I literally have Amazon Prime at home. I can watch okay, it. Okay, good. It's fine. Um, which, side note, like I'm struggling with the League of Their Own and the Sandman right now because Aaron and I have that as a pack show. Like I've lamented many times to you, <laughs> I have to wait and keep pace with her. No, yeah. Lord of the Rings, she doesn't care to watch, which it's fine. Well, there you go. There, uh, I'm all about that. It's just not gonna work out. Wait, oh, it's gonna work out. <laughs> but we we could, she likes Bill and Ted. So we're good. Oh. <laughs> it just kind of even. Um, I'm... Oh, I don't know. We're I don't know. I, so, okay, really quick. Just, do you, You've watched all three movies? Yep. Oh. And, okay. Three. Yeah, the three... Thank you. The three Lord of the Rings films that were produced. But the books. <laughs> have you... I, I, I read the trilogy once. And you've not? In and out. It's... Schools mm-hmm. makes it very difficult for me okay. to actually get into anything mm-hmm. at all. This is fair. Yeah. But do you have a favorite book amongst the trilogy? Like, Grant, do you have one? 
haven't gotten there. Go. Yet, sorry. Oh, that's right. Gosh, darn it, I keep forgetting that you. I'll get there. There yeah. are passages of Return of the King that yeah. I have read, but you know. But that's when you just say, which one has your favorite cover? There's so many covers. Exactly. Oh, the covers. <laughs> that's when you just say, which one's your favorite cover? I'm always, I'm always a fan of like, like when you look through like a book's history of like covers and stuff. I'm always usually a fan of like the more psychedelic seventies. Yeah, side those are fun, right? Stuff that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the OG Lord of the Rings covers are actually pretty dope. If I had to pick a favorite, going from my gut, maybe Fellowship. Mm-hmm. The same way that Fellowship is might be my favorite of the movies. I yeah. feel like it can. Oof, Fellowship's nice. I mean, it's meant to be watched. It's it's obviously meant to be one book and it's a trilogy. But mm-hmm. I feel like if you were to hold up any one of the three movies up on their own merits, mm-hmm. um, Fellowship. Would would probably now, stand up. Why? And, and, and I, I, I yeah. like I like the first, like third in the in the familiar you know Hobbit world, and then like you said, it's a contrast when we get to like Moria and everything. Then stuff really gets real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if, and in the books, like if you had started with the Hobbit and everything, this is like the world growing up when Gandalf dies. Yeah. You know. Ooh. <laughs> Spoilers! It's been out Come for on. years. But Shut you know what? Honestly, the hardest <laughs> chapter in that book for me was the chapter before they get to Moria. That whole business of them climbing up that mountain. I was like, if y'all don't get up off this snowbank mountain that you weren't supposed to be up on in the first <laughs> place, like it was. There are funny parts, right? Like yeah. they're all being buried in snow, and like. They look up, and Legolas is just, like, walking on the top of the snow. <laughs> and, and Boromir's literally like, bro, really? Because him and Aragorn, who are basically described as these, like, tank characters, are, like, they're, like, four, basically. Right. They're, like, shoveling themselves through the snow with hobbits on their backs. It's hysterically described. And it's like, that's a great moment. I did not need an entire 20-page chapter for that one moment. <laughs> it was, ugh. But then I read Moria, and I was like, I'm fine. All right. Moria made up for it. I'm, I'm good. It, it, you know. This is going to tell you everything you need to know, but all I remember is there's a scene with some trees. Uh, like uh, the tall people trees? <laughs> I, I, I can't. <laughs> no, I've, I've tried to get my mother to watch that trilogy. <laughs> multiple times, but we always jump into it on TV at the same time, so she always sees it at the end of the two towers. Oh, when the no. trees are like trying So all uh, whenever I bring it up, she's like, oh, the trees? I'm like, oh, God. No, because it's just... When, when I was a kid and, like, I was, like, not as into, like, those kind of things because I was more into my dance classes and stuff, like, I would be walking past, going into my room, my brothers would be watching it, mm-hmm. and that's the scene that I remember, because that's the scene I would walk in on, <laughs> it's yeah. the trees, must... and that's it. I mean, it, it, the trees are in a good portion of the second movie. But that's all I remember, is trees. The end. But they do, they do have a good inclusion. Um, like, I, I kind of, maybe, I'm, I, I want to say things, but, like, I, I need to reread the second book. Two Towers. Do you have a favorite book? Um, I think historically From I your have fuzzy memory. <laughs> no, I think historically I've always really appreciated Two Towers. Two Towers. Awesome. Um, that's I've, good because that's up next. That's <laughs> that's been a very good one. Um, in in the movie too is actually probably my favorite of three. That's Although, a common favorite. That's a people. I I really can't. The pro- problem with like okay like if I were to sit down and watch movies right now I'm watching all three. Yeah, I can't do I can't, just one anymore. Yeah, no. but 
again, I'll have to reread the book um, and the third book eventually, maybe sooner rather than later, because I'll be in this Lord of the Rings uh, flavor town because of the show coming up. <laughs> and I, I flavor town. Dines. What? What's the show called? Dines Drive. I want to see Dines drives and dies or something. I want to see the Middle Earth version. Of Guy Fieri comes <laughs> on. Come on, guys! We're gonna stop in this little tavern here. You're gonna... So potatoes. I mean, honestly, I'd rather see the Middle Earth version than the Westeros version. No, but like, listen. Samwise Gamgee would be the one. They can no, but listen, eat listen, Earth. listen. So he drives. He does the he does the intro to the show, and then he drives in, and the place that he's going to is the tavern from that first chapter that you hate. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and he walks in. And he the walks end of the prancing pony. <laughs> and that's what starts the whole thing. That's another chapter in Fellowship. The end of the, that whole um, area, in like when they're in Bree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my. I was like, come on. Because Eric. Okay. It should be said. Now, I haven't gotten to Two Towers and Mission of the King yet. Fellowship Aragorn. Without anyone else, like if it's just Aragorn and the Hobbits, I hate it. Because he talks. And he talks. And he, yeah. he doesn't talk about anything interesting. He is so boring. Yeah. <laughs> so dull. And the Hobbits won't tell him he's dull because they're freaked out. And they're not, like, they're caught in a rock and a hard place. Like, they're like, we don't know if we should be scared of the writers. Or of the guy that scares the writers. Well, I think. But he, we don't have any options here. I think he's meant to be scary, at least at the onset. Yeah, he should be scary. He's um, just boring. Like, he's so boring that by the time I got to the Council of Elrond scene, which is basically a giant conversation, it's a giant lore conversation. So, yeah. literally, Elrond and Gandalf get into a 14 page argument. <laughs> At the end of which Frodo is like, I think I got the grasp on this now. I'll take the ring to Mordor. And they're like, oh, thank God. Because the whole time, Frodo and Gandalf's like, so when I was talking to Radagast the Brown, and then Saruman, and then Elrond's like, oh, shut up. We've you know, already been over that. And he goes, like, now you say it, it makes me think of your average work brainstorming session. Like, all these great ideas going around, but who's going to do it? I don't want to do it. <laughs> no, right? Nobody wants to how, how, how I visualize Tony's thinking experience of that is just like a giant parliament session. And there are arguing with each other and then a fist fight breaks out and that's just how it works. Well then there's one random interlude by Bilbo at which point Elrond goes, stay in a child's place and then keeps talking to Gandalf <laughs> and you're just like, I was like Peter, where is this in the movie? This was so much more interesting. Like that whole chapter is hilarious because it's just Elrond and Gandalf talking about this first and second age that they both lived through. I give Aragon <laughs> a little slack only because he's an 80 year old man. Elrond is older than that. I didn't no, say Elrond. Oh, that's, that's true. That's so true. is Gandalf. No, I said Aragorn. Like oh, okay. 80-something yeah, years old. Yeah, Aragorn's like 80 to 100 years yeah. old. Yeah, he's also like one of the youngest characters of the characters who that... lived before the Third Age. Because okay. <laughs> I think he was born like right at the end of the Second Age. Yeah, because their whole line was dwindling and all that thing. So. Okay. Oh, sorry. Not yet, not yet. Right. I have one more question, because we are getting short on time, but why do you think... Uh, Oh no. <laughs> We're out of animal crap. Why do you think the Lord of the Rings continues to resonate? Mm. Not just Lord of the Rings, but The Hobbit. Why do you think. And, well, because and I'm, I'm short and I like characters who are also <laughs> short. <laughs> so I. That's a perfect. Heard it there. Reason. All the short people are average height and resonate with The Hobbits. 
Supreme <laughs> Overlord has decreed it. I have actually been Gone. thinking about this a lot <laughs> recently because I'm because I'm reading Eye of the World, um, which is so Robert Jordan's Eye of the World, which is the first of the Wheel of Time series, right. does everything that Tolkien did with Lord of the Rings, but in one book instead of three. Um, and it's the first of a fourteen book saga. So like. Jordan wasn't playing any games. Like he was like, "Oh yeah, I'll make a carbon copy of Lord of the Rings, but it'll be one book, Terry Brooks, not three. It's genius." But I think if you look at the Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Wheel of Time, Harry Potter, all of them have the same. They have a similar. It, obviously, they're all modern versions of the hero's journey but that's putting it a little too lightly I think what they do really really fundamentally is they take the least likely individual in their perspective university there's an underdog and pitches them against the absolute worst evil that that world has faced and you know they're going to win you don't know how they're going to win but you know that they have to win because that's the whole point of the structure. And there is something extremely rewarding. I remember, actually I did, I said this on Facebook and then I did it. When 2016, when the 2016 election results happened, um, I said online, I was like, you know, everyone who is having a hard time adjusting to this, pull out your box set of Lord of the Rings, pull out your box set of Harry Potter, Pull out your box set of Star Wars, watch it all the way through, it's time to marathon because those are the movies that teach you how to deal with moments like this. And I think that's why it still works because <coughs> it's, we all have those moments in our life either globally or personally where we are. It's kind of like a are, David and Goliath story. It is, too. it's exactly what it is. Like we're the tiniest player mm-hmm. on the board and we want to get over there but between us and that is Mordor. So how do you get there? And these are blueprints that show you, you know, how does it? How did Little Bilbo's song go, uh, start? Out from the door. Wait, the road goes ever <laughs> on and on. Out from the door where it began. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You just you start and end up somewhere, <laughs> and just assume that you're gonna win, and maybe you will. So, supreme overlord of everything and everyone and everywhere. Yes. What do you got for us today? Well. Also, that is the cheesiest you're ever going to get me to get on this podcast, because that was honestly really very cheesy, so, but it was also very honest. So I you know. added a couple, so I don't know how, what I'm going to pull out. Oh, um, dear listeners, if you are used to staying to the end and listening to our smack, um, we're doing slight variations on a kind of a silly we're doing end something of the new. podcast oh, closer. Um, I don't know what any of these are. But I assume right, that these so are ones what that are I... are doing? What's this <laughs> So uh, this is one of our new ones. Okay. And this is basically uh, kind of a fight to the death. Which one would you pick in this uh, uh, yeah, option? Like, who would you pick? <laughs> are, are we talking about, like, an actual physical fight to the well, death? Well, I mean, or... you could do it that way, but, like, which character would you rather have on your side in a fight? Oh. Ah, okay. Uh, we have Dumbledore, and then we have Gandalf. Oh, I, I gotta do Gandalf. He's I like literally a... put that down, and I laughed as I put it down. So you know what I'm gonna do? Because I'm listening to this book right now, I'm gonna sub in Moraine Sedai and just cut those two out. Because <laughs> she is, she is pretty bam. Yeah. So you know. Um, That's a Harry Potter one. We'll do it later. But if. Oh, did you want this one? <laughs> oh, you're, you're good. 
I mean, if, if we're doing like Dragon Ball Z, like power levels, I, I feel like Gandalf's got to be a over nine thousand. Over nine thousand, like like a, a deal higher than. I believe mean, it or not, I literally actually just think? pulled open this one. Gandalf or Dumbledore, which one would you rather have? Him I think because when he was sent to Middle Earth, <laughs> he had a lot of his abilities locked. <coughs> yeah. Are you saying that? That's right. Like- so that he can only level a full mountain instead of a mountain range, right? Right. Yeah, right. Um, so I feel like there's untapped potentials. Like, if I had to... If he's going to be... I want Gandalf. Yeah. I guess it's like, do we want... Are we getting Gandalf the gray, Gandalf the white? Like, when he's full... You can you can make your Saiyan? own clarification. I mean, come on. Gandalf the gray took on a bow. No, I, I know. He's already powerful. But. Like, I'm good. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't really care either way. But right. like, ooh, I think maybe ooh, because ooh, we can sit down, amendment. we can have a good PBR. I'm going to make can it smoke, worse. You know, right. It's an amendment. Told, told, Which one would you sweet. rather have then, Gandalf the gray or Gandalf the white? On your team? Still Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go Gandalf the gray. Because he's, at, at this point, like, he's, he's in high gear. He's still technically ready, but he's a little bit more homey at this point. Like, the minute he goes white, he's He's, he's... He, like, takes no prisoners. (laughs) Like, I I don't want that level of seriousness. This is, like, the ninth doctor to the war doctor, or any of the doctors to the war doctor. Yeah, that's true. So give me that Gandalf the Grey, because I want someone who's going to go chill. We're going to go hang out with Bilbo. We're going to eat way too much. Right. He might yell at me occasionally, very uh, frighteningly as well. He might surprise, like, hijack me onto the back of an eagle. You know, right? It's fine, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. I because I, I do prefer Hobbit Gandalf to Two Towers Gandalf. So I think that's good because you know. my other one actually is a reference to what Grant said earlier. But Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Oh wow. I literally have. Uh, yeah, save it, save it, save I'll it, save it, save it. Cool. Uh, we'll pull it out eventually, and then you'll cackle when you realize what I put down. Okay. We can't wait to see. You know, if you enjoy this podcast as much, but you know, we'll see. Oh, we'll you see. It's, you're love if it. you don't, why not? You need to tell us, right? like right now. Come to one four three East Maumee. Tell us, like right what after. What do we got? Yeah. yeah, and we got library card sign up month starts Ooh. tomorrow. With got... Spirit Month. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, I need to send out the email. Bad hair day is tomorrow. I'm not here. I'll just come in how I eat. What you do? How much growth do you have there? It's kind of clownish. Well, no, I was thinking, like, if it was, like, all of a sudden, you could, like,